There's more than Florida Man running around the streets and swamps of Florida. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories from Florida, the home state of the swamp dweller himself. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. And as always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it's from Florida or another state entirely, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Before we jump right into these epic stories with Florida Man himself, I just need to take a moment to talk about chilling. I want to make sure you take advantage of the free trial if you haven't yet. Chilling is the new home of horror, and an amazing mobile app that allows you to do things that are just not possible on YouTube or other platforms. With hundreds of amazing stories that are sorted into curated playlists, or playlists that you can create yourself, we give you so much flexibility to listen the way you want. This includes the chilling exclusive feature, the ambient sound menu. You can change the background noise of the story at any time you want without any interruptions. It is an absolute game changer. Of course, this is offered completely and totally ad-free. That's right, no ads. Just hours and hours of uninterrupted, horrifying, creepy, and all-around spooky content. I couldn't be more excited to have the opportunity to be a part of this journey. I hope you can join us. Download now and start your free trial today. Click the link in the description below or simply search Chilling in the App Store. Also, for existing and new members, we are currently doing a PS5 bundle giveaway. There are more details in the link in the description down below. I remember quite well when I was about six years old. I was in first grade. It was a normal sunny day in Florida. This day will always haunt me, because it happened, so unusually. I was finishing halfway through the day at my elementary school. My older brother, who was in fifth grade, tossed me the key to our house. He had guitar practice after school, and mom was supposed to be home, but just in case, I had the key. The day was over. I was going home, got off the bus, and headed to the door. I did not see my mom's car, but maybe it was in the garage. I tried knocking, and I got no answer. I started to get a little worried, knocking harder and harder. Still no answer. I had forgotten I had the key in my lunchbox, but I was just so overwhelmed with the anxiety thinking something bad had happened. That's when I got this nasty feeling. Suddenly, the door opened. I thought it was just a prank and that someone just opened it and ran and hid. I stepped inside and that nasty feeling continued to grow worse. I checked behind the door, and the rest of the house was very eerie. The last part I checked, the kitchen, and I'll never forget the feeling that I got when I saw the Ouija board with its planchette taped directly onto the board. I was terrified. I realized, then, who opened my front door. I dropped all of my stuff and ran to my neighbor's house three streets over. I couldn't stand to be alone in that house. After that, it was never the same. Doors would open and shut, TVs would turn on and turn off, the screens would even turn static early hours in the morning. No one in my family quite believes my story, but the door was an extremely heavy wooden door, heavy enough that no 50-pound six-year-old could bust it down. 
Most parts of Florida are ancient Indian burial grounds and swampy areas that are ideal for dead bodies. You never know who or what you can invite into your home unknowingly. Me, my family, and other friends' families went on a little getaway, I guess you could call it, all the way to Florida last fall. We were a wild teenage group of dudes with little parent control going to Miami. What could go wrong? All our parents were going out for a night of drinking on the town, so me and my friends were stuck at the hotel, alone. Bored and annoyed, one of us had the brilliant idea to go out and have some of our own fun. We were not supposed to, but hey, we were a bunch of stupid teenagers. We didn't know the area well, so we stuck together and just walked the streets. We then came upon what looked like an abandoned apartment building. Once again, being stupid teenagers, we had the great idea to go check it out. Suddenly, there were some heavy footsteps behind us. A tall white dude who looked to be in his 40s and smelled like garbage came behind us. He then said in the most disgusting voice ever, said, This place is dangerous for a couple of young folks like yourself. Watch yourself. Red flags erupted through my body, but I ignored them like any stupid teenager would do. There was an awkward silence before he walked away with a small wink. Now, since no one was in sight, and we were bored and made our way into the building anyway, and it was totally empty, we decided to keep going. It was quiet, as even most of the walls were pretty much missing. The stairs were surprisingly sturdy as we made our way up through the floors. Now at this point, I felt very sick. I had goosebumps and anxiety. I wanted to say that we should turn back downstairs and leave, but I did not want to be the pussy of the group. Once we made it to the top of the roof, we had a good view of the area. We could see barely the lights of Miami. Then. When I was just starting to relax, I heard a familiar voice from behind me in the same voice. I told you it was dangerous for young folk. Great, the man from before, but this time he was not alone. Two others, who were just as tall as the man, were right behind him. We were five stupid and short teenagers, versus three tall 40-year-old men holding metal poles. We had only one choice. There was a fire escape thing on the side of the building behind us, like every apartment has. We bolted down the old and unsafe stairs. There was a part that was broken off from the building being so old that we kind of just had to jump to the ground. With the old dudes chasing us and throwing rocks, we all jumped at the same time. To add more trouble to this situation, my friend landed on his foot and rolled it. As the biggest in the friend group and filled with adrenaline, I picked my friend up. We ran all the way without looking back until we reached the hotel. I jammed the car into the door and all went into the room. We talked very shakily about what had just happened until our parents came back from drinking. We told our parents that our friend rolled his foot trying to jump across the beds and we were dismissed. We all went to bed and finished the trip with no more accidents. I know it sounds like the same old Florida man joke, but there are some creepy people out there. Be safe. My grandparents moved from Ohio in the late 70s to start a life in Florida. An opportunity to manage a ranch was a dream come true for them. When I was about 8 years old, 
I used to visit them once for about a month. I loved it. The smell of cow manure brings me to a special time in my life, but also brings back horrifying memories. The ranch is in Florida. I don't want to give the name of the ranch for obvious reasons. Not too much history was given to my grandparents before arriving. Shortly after, the owner started to spill the beans. Bound by contract, my grandparents had an obligation to stay for the span of ten years. The land had some native history as well as an unfortunate suicide in the front of the house. An old Navy sailor hung himself several years before. The land has several different ponds and trails which were made for great adventures. I had lots of fun until my strange experience. My father and I decided to go fishing at one of the more interesting ponds. At the time, I had no idea what made this pond so interesting. Later, when I was an adult, I was told why. The pond was shaped like a donut. It had a small mound at the center of the pond, around 45 feet from the shore. It was perfectly centered. From my understanding, someone was buried at the center of this pond. I'm not sure if that is true. Mostly stories and no real evidence. Anyhow, my father and I began fishing. I grabbed my small bait caster sized rod and began to hook a worm to my hook. I used a little red and white bobber. I was the type that wanted to fish away from anyone, as I thought it would raise my chance of catching something. But that day, something caught me. I cast my line in the water, and sat down right at the edge of the water with my feet slightly in it. I felt like a man with my rubber boots, like my old dad. After about 20 minutes or so, I noticed my bobber going under and back up. So... I decided to set my hook. As I tugged back, it felt like something big was on the line. I tugged and reeled, tugged harder and reeled, but my line wouldn't let go. It was stuck on something. At this point, my father was on the other side of the mound out of my sight. So in big boy fashion, I decided to walk into the water to see if I could tug on it in a different direction, possibly freeing my line. I'm about four feet in the water at this point just at the edge of my knee-high boots. I'm not sure if this makes sense, but I felt like it was what I was supposed to do. Finally, after tugging my line even harder, it was freed as if nothing was on it in the first place, and even my worm was still hanging on the hook. Feeling proud, I decided to walk out of the water. My left foot slipped on a rock in the water. I brought my right foot forward to catch my balance, and a smaller stone dug itself into my shin. It hurt like hell. As I realized what just happened, I got to pull my left leg forward. I couldn't. I felt like my foot was being pulled back. I struggled trying to pull my leg forward, even spinning around with the bum, now in the water. I started to scream and holler, yelling for my father, and it was on deaf ears. It was almost like I was in a vacuum. I'm being pulled into the water by something. I didn't feel hands or anything on my foot, just my leg was not free and I was gradually going further into the water. I was yelling bloody murder at this point, and after about 20 seconds of fighting and yelling, whatever had my foot let go. I was soaked and horrified. I ran to my father screaming, bleeding from my leg profusely, and in some sort of shock. While yelling, I asked my father, why didn't you come when I was screaming? My father now shaking because of my reaction, son, I didn't hear any screaming. I couldn't see you from this side. I'm calming down a little bit at this point and I ask him again. His reply was the same. I didn't hear you, son. 
After showing my father and explaining what happened to me, like most parents would, he just shrugged it off as my imagination. I never fished on that property again. No one believes this happened, and trust me, this is something that sounds outlandish. I'm not here to convince anyone, just to share my story, and hopefully connect with people who may have had something similar happen to them. I'm not sure how familiar anyone is with WWE. So back in March of 2017, me and my girlfriend decided to take our annual trip to Orlando, Florida, earlier in the year than usual. I've always been a huge wrestling fan, and it was always a dream since I was a kid to attend a WrestleMania. WrestleMania 33 was taking place in Orlando that year, and I figured it would be my best chance to finally go since it was, well, Orlando. It was easier to convince my girlfriend to do this trip since I could take her to Disney and Universal as well. Fast forward to WrestleMania itself. The show is great. It's an experience I'll never forget for both good and bad reasons. Once the show ended, us along with 70,000 other people were leaving the show and trying to get Ubers back to the hotel. And if anyone is familiar with Uber, I'm sure you're aware of the prices getting jacked up whenever there's a large supply and demand. Put it this way, it would have cost us $100 for a 15-minute ride. Now, WrestleMania took place at what used to be known as the Citrus Bowl, now Camping World Stadium, I believe. I was not too familiar with the area since I'm from New York, and I did not realize how ghetto the neighborhood really is. Like, something out of a movie. Seriously, look it up. So, we decided that because the prices were so high, we would try to walk as far from the stadium as possible and try to get a cheaper Uber. About a half hour into us walking, we are a little more than a mile away from the stadium. It's around 12.30 to 1 a.m. at this point. The neighborhood was practically a ghost town at this point with a few wrestling fans here and there still walking. My girlfriend was complaining about her feet hurting and she wanted to call her mom. So we stop and sit at a bench at a bus stop. About two minutes into the conversation with her mom, I realized that some guy in a hoodie walks up behind us after he walked out from behind an abandoned house. He asked to use my girlfriend's phone and says she's on the phone right now. So, the guy stands behind us for another five minutes or so, and I finally had enough. I said, you're not using her phone. And he said, excuse me? I said, you're not using her phone. We don't know you. So he gets frustrated and says... Why'd you make me wait here all this time to use the phone if you weren't going to let me use it? So I was getting equally heated and told him to go away because we don't owe him anything. My girlfriend was getting scared at this point because she knows I'm a hothead and that this was not going to end well. She grabs my arm and tells me let's go. So we start walking again, but now this guy is following us on his bicycle. So finally I turned around and asked him what his problem is. We started arguing again. And at this point, I tell him to go away, but a little less nice this time. Except this time, he pulled a gun from his belt and pointed at me. I don't know what I really thought at this point. The only thing that came out of my mouth was, that's just going to make your situation worse, bud. At this point, I think I had received my biggest stroke of luck yet, as a police officer just happened to be at the red light right across the street. This guy notices and flies off on his bicycle. The light turned green and the cop continued his way. Me and my girlfriend ran across the street to the only convenience store open, which had a few wrestling fans in there. 
We begged the guy behind the counter to call the cops for us, and everyone in the store asked us what happened. After explaining it to them, everyone was scared to leave the store. About an hour and a half goes by and I ask the guy behind the counter where the cops are. He tells me I didn't call them. So basically, an hour and a half went by at that point, and no cops were ever called. So I called the cops myself and the dispatcher basically accused me of being on drugs because I waited so long to call. She then asked me to go back to the corner where the guy pulled the gun on me so I could get the name of the street. Since I was on vacation, I didn't really know the area. I still think to this day that it was ridiculous that a trained dispatcher tried getting me to go back to a corner where I almost got robbed and shot at. Anyways, she sent an officer out to us, and, go figure, it was a cop from the red light from earlier on, who admitted that he saw the guy confronting us and saw my girlfriend wave him down to help us, but didn't think too much of it. Gee, thanks, officer. He then pulls out his laptop in the car and shows us a picture of a male who looked just like the guy who pulled the gun on us. The cop explains that about 10 minutes after the guy fled the scene from me and my girlfriend, he confronted another couple asking to use their phone. They let him, and he pulled the gun on them and took both their phones and the girl's purse. The cop then ordered us an Uber, and we went on our way. My girlfriend was traumatized the rest of our trip, and still holds it over my head that I almost got a shot because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. If there's any lesson to be learned from this, it would be to do some research on the areas you're unfamiliar with. You just never know what's going to happen. This happened a few years ago while I was living in Florida. I am a female and was around 20 years old. I had been going through a rough patch in my life and had the great idea to take a few tabs of LSD and go to St. Augustine for a day trip to take my mind off of everything. St. Augustine is notorious for being insanely haunted, but it's one of my favorite places to go. I went by myself and made the three-hour drive. This wasn't out of the ordinary for me. I often went on adventures like this by myself and I always had a great time. So I went to the historic downtown and spent my peak looking around all the cool shops and even made one hell of a walk to the lighthouse, passing by tons of tourists and people going about their day. When you're tripping balls, walks the fine line of exciting and terrifying. I loved that feeling. When I started coming down, I went back to my car and decided to go to the beach as there was still a solid two hours of daylight left. I thought being on the beach during sunset while being in a more mental part of the trip would be very cool. I found some random pull-off area that you had to drive down a mile or so before you hit the parking lot. Not one other car was in it, which was welcomed after being in crowds all day. This lot was a giant circle and was surrounded by trees and marshy land. Off to the left side was a boardwalk that you had to walk quite a way down to get to the beach. Once I finally got to the sand, I left my shoes by the boardwalk so I could find where it was when I came back. I was still not in my right mind by any means, and the entrance was well hidden. I then walked for a solid 45 minutes down the beach. I found it a nice spot with a washed up log where I could put my bag and clothes while I went for a swim. While I was in the water, I started getting to myself, thinking about all of the stories of how extremely haunted this beach was. Not long after, that a very intense burning pain hit my side. 
Think like if you got a severe scratch or a cut and put rubbing alcohol on it immediately. So my high ass thinks a ghost just tried to take me down into the depths of the water. So I get out as quick as possible. Upon closer inspection on my leg, I realized it was a jellyfish sting and laughed it off. The sun was going down quickly and I remembered that I had quite a trek back to my car. The jellyfish sting was also a huge damper on my mood. So I grabbed everything, and by the time I made it to the boardwalk again, it was dusk. The boardwalk was probably a half a mile or so back to my car. I had only barely started walking down to it when I heard someone talking. A few seconds later, I came across a dirty, older-looking homeless man talking to himself swinging around a huge machete at plants on the side. I froze in my tracks, not knowing what the hell to do. He was slowly walking in the direction I was, so I decided to try to keep pace with him and follow behind as quietly as possible. This was going well for about five minutes and then he just stopped. I froze in place not knowing what to do. I decided just to walk by as quickly and as calmly as I could in hopes that he wouldn't pay any attention to me and just keep swinging his machete at the plants. As soon as I passed him, I heard him say something to me. He must have been on something too because I couldn't understand what he said. I didn't look back and didn't say anything at all. I just kept walking. I heard his footsteps start to follow behind me. I picked up the pace hoping that he would lose interest. Unfortunately, this did not happen. I heard him right behind me following a few feet. Occasionally, he'd say something, but I ignored him and never looked back. In my mind, I was convinced that if I looked back, he would attack me and it would be all over. He started saying things more frequently, but I still refused to look back or respond in any way. He was becoming more angry that I would not acknowledge him and began shouting at me. I felt the wind from the knife swinging behind me, and I started to full on run. I knew the parking lot was not too far away by now and figured my heightened senses from the dose would easily allow me to outrun him. To my horror, he began running too. It was completely dark outside now, and my adrenaline was in full force. I finally made it to the lot and somehow got my keys out of my bag in record time. I jumped in my car and floored it out of there like a bat out of hell. When I was coming out of the circle, I saw him standing off on the side of the road. He was screaming angrily, swinging the machete around. He tried to come towards my car, but I honked the horn and drove past him flying down the road away from this maniac. My friends always warned me against these adventures as I was young and a good-looking girl. It was a running joke that I'd get murdered one day while on one of my adventures. That experience made me realize how real of a possibility that actually was. So I'm a 25-year-old female living in a small but heavily populated downtown area in Florida. I do not really enjoy the whole downtown scene since I've had many friends get roofied and or meet just straight up creeps, so I don't really like new people. Plus, I have a cute dog who I'd much rather spend my time with. But one night around 7pm, I was stupid bored and decided to download Tinder. I had been on and off the app for years, just seeing it as a game when I was bored. I matched with someone I went to high school with and decided to go meet up with them for some tea to catch up at around 9pm that same night. Somehow, that's not even the bad part. 
I ended up leaving around midnight and decided it would be so much easier just to take a toll road back to my apartment. I decided to give my dad, who lives in a time zone that's three hours behind where I live, a call since it was late, and I was getting kind of tired while driving. About 15 minutes or so later, I finally see the exit I need to take and tell my dad that I'm just about home and I will talk to him later. I merged into the exit ramp lane, preparing for the slight right curve in the road before you get to the streetlight at the end of the ramp, when I saw someone running towards my car, waving their arms like wild. Mind you, I'm going about 30 to 35 miles per hour on this exit ramp, which may not seem like much, but when someone is running towards your car at 12.30am, it feels like you're doing 90. I turn my high beams on in case he can't see me and try to move over a lane so I don't hit this dummy. Suddenly, I get incredibly worried that maybe it's some drunk kid who crashed his car and needs help or something. So I, stupidly I know, pull over to the emergency lane. I locked on my doors and made sure all my windows were rolled up before he approached my car, in case this was some sort of trap that I had fallen into. This guy had to be somewhere around the age of 21. He did not seem like the aggressive type. I've worked in a behavioral hospital for some time, and have been around some very aggressive individuals before, and have been threatened numerous times, and I got no real threatening feeling from this guy. He had on one of those 21 plus wristbands from a bar or club downtown, so I knew he had to be drunk, but I also noticed his eyes. They were huge, kind of cliche, but like a deer caught in the headlights huge. He was also profusely sweaty. I mean, it is Florida, but it was midnight in October, so it was sort of cool out for once. He looked incredibly panicked and tried to open the passenger side door. I already locked them. Hallelujah. I asked if he was okay and if he was hurt. He said he couldn't hear me and asked if I could just let him in the car and he'll explain. I rolled down the passenger side window about an inch and said, nah. He kept repeating that he doesn't want to scare me and he was begging me not to call the police. He explained to me that he was downtown about six blocks away where we currently were. His friends left him and he doesn't have a way to get home and his phone is dead. I started feeling kind of bad for the guy and asked if I could call someone for him, but the number he gave didn't even work. Something switched in him. He got increasingly more confused and kept trying to get in my car, begging me to take him home. I know you live over by me, Maria. You know me, Maria. You know me through Anthony, Maria. Please just take me home. Okay, so my name is not Maria, and I don't know any Anthonys, but he sounded so convincing that it made me take a hard look at him because, I mean, maybe I do know him, but I didn't, and I tried convincing him of this fact, but he just started crying and banging on my car door, becoming more agitated. I started getting a bad feeling and asked him to please get off my car because I'm going to leave. He backed away from my car and I proceeded down the exit ramp. Somehow, it doesn't end there. I get to the stoplight at the end of the exit ramp, and to my dismay, it's red. I had a second to think about what just happened, and decided it would be best, in my interest and everybody else, to call the cops, just in case he was to get hurt, since he was literally running towards cars on the exit ramp of a busy toll road at midnight wearing dark colored clothing. The light turns green. As I'm on the phone with 911, I see this guy running towards my car. My heart sank to my stomach. I explained the situation to the operator and informed her that he is running after my car and I'm just trying to go home. She tells me to go to the opposite way from my apartment so he won't know where I live and to continue driving. 
So I listen to her and give her a description of him while I'm driving on a completely empty road with him still full on chasing my car. At one point I had to stop because there was a car in front of me at a stop sign. Unfortunately he caught up to my car and proceeded to bang on the back windshield. He started screaming at me to please stop and let him in my car. Thankfully I was able to pull into a different street and lose him. The operator heard everything that was going on and asked for my information. She assured me the cops were on their way to his last known location, and if he's not following me, I'm okay to go home. I never found out what happened or who that guy was. I think he was just a drunk, but also ended up taking something else which caused him to act a little bit erratic. I've never seen a person who was just drunk with eyes that dilated or that confused, but also to able fully sprint at a car. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from the state of Florida. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as it helps me out a ton over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be a story from the state of Florida or another state, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that keep this show going on a daily basis. I'd love to know down in the comments down below what was your favorite story tonight? Honestly, I'd have to say that last one was mine. Having some crazed out, drunked out, drugged out guy running towards your car in the middle of the night does not sound like a fun time. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you go, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's free and always will be. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out my merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Come join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.